we have a special guest speaker, and it's Sarah Bowling. And so give her a hand. Miss Sarah has a national and worldwide ministry, and, and she ministers with her mother, Marilyn Hickey. They have a TV broadcast, Marilyn and Sarah, that goes around the world. And so she also has her own teaching ministry, uh, Genuine Love is the name of that teaching ministry, and then also a humanitarian outreach called Saving Moses. And on her side job, she pastors a church. And so she's a, she's a fruitful lady, and so I love having Sarah. She's just so genuine, so filled with the word, makes it so practical, and just puts it down to where you can understand it. So give a warm River Rock Church welcome to Sarah Bowling. out with all of y'all. I uh, Sometimes I'm technically challenged, so thank you in the sound booth for being so patient with me. I appreciate it. Sometimes I forget to turn that on, right? And you're like, can't hear you. And I'm like, turn up your hearing aids. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, did you know there's a town in Colorado where they legalized weed, but they outlawed alcohol? So the residents are high and dry. <laughs> Right, I know. Oh, and this one, you haven't heard this one, actually, because I got this one. This one's really good. Did you know that Bruce Lee is uh, fast, but his brother is even faster? His name is Sudden Lee. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're like, We're, okay, because we got a little extra time. How about this one, too? How come um, drummers don't come back from retirement? <laughs> because there will be repercussions. <laughs> I know, stupid jokes. And the method to the madness is you start off with dumb jokes and it can only get better, right? I mean, that's kind of my rationale. And uh, so I'm really, really glad to be with all of you all this morning. And um, I'm, on, I'm on the front row and I'm like listening to the Holy Spirit, you know, because the main thing is you really don't need to hear from me, <laughs> ground zero. You need to hear from God. And so I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little bit of a tweak, not, I'll do a little bit of what I did in the first service, but kind of some fun adventures on top of that. So you're in for a treat, maybe, just hold on, right? <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But I want to talk briefly, you know, this is a season when we celebrate light, right? Jesus is the light of the world and, you know, Christmas lights and all the decorations and festivities and, and it's fantastic. I love it. Um, but I think it's important for us to consider that in this season also, there's, there is darkness, and sometimes when we have darkness, we don't like it. It's uncomfortable, things we don't know, we're not familiar with. It's a problem. We don't want darkness. But I would say to you that darkness is a great platform for light. And when you think about that, let me give you just three instances in Jesus' birth that had to do with this interesting combination of light and dark. So the first example is with Mary. Jesus' mother. So Gabriel shows up, right, and kind of says, welcome, you know, highly favored one. You're going to be pregnant. Now we, 3,000 years later, are like, woohoo, sweet, it's Jesus. But I think when it was to her, it wasn't all like, woo, because she's probably around 14 years old, right? She's not married. <laughs> she lives in a highly legalistic culture. And by law, and not just the religious law, by political law, she was 
if she was caught, if anyone was caught uh, having pregnant or wedlock, you know, having sex outside of wedlock, they were to stone, you were to be stoned, you were to be killed. So I don't know that Mary, that initial reaction was like, woo, sweet, I'm going to be pregnant. I'll just tell dad an angel showed up and told me, (laughs) see how that plays, right? I don't know. I don't know that that was such a, like, initially the really exciting news for Mary. And I, I bring it to your attention because I think for all of us, there's things in our lives that are dark. We all have um, things right now, maybe that you're like, you know, I got a bad diagnosis from the doctor, and it's very discouraging, disappointing to me. Sometimes some of us in this season, we've lost a loved one at this season, and, and this reminds us of some of that. And it's some of us are like, I don't understand what's going on. There's some confusion or some lack of clarity. How many of you can identify with any of these things? Financially, you're like, ugh, Christmas on top of, ugh. You know, it's, it's so, there's, there's darkness. There's things that are not bright and cheery and shiny. But I just say that in the midst of some of the darkness and, and some of that struggle, that Jesus, who is the light of the world, can help us. And I think it's very important to consider Mary, she's pregnant, but she's also pregnant with the light of the world. And it was challenging for her, no doubt. But I also like that Gabriel told her, hang out with Elizabeth, your cousin, and and she's going to help walk you through pregnancy because she's pregnant at this time. That's an interesting combination. But I also think that there's a second um, example of darkness that would be noteworthy. And this is with the shepherds. Nope. I'm going to do them last, with the wise men. And we read about the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Remember the wise men that came from the east? And they, what did they follow? They followed a star. And when they followed the star, it led them to the newborn king, right? So you can see, thank you so much for helping me in the sound booth. Matthew 2 verse 1. These are wise men. (laughs) The implication is they're not stupid. (laughs) They're not the dumb men, they're the wise men. <laughs> and <laughs> how did they get wise? Well, they were educated. They were considered philosophers, highly educated intellectual people of their time and of their era. They lived in what would be known as modern-day Persia, which is Iran, right? And it says they walked and they followed the star. So they understood from their context, from their education, from their schooling, intellectual background, about this star. And they knew from their training, their education, they knew that this star would lead them and point them, they were to follow it, and it would lead them to the newborn king. But I want you to appreciate, do you see a star best in the daytime or at night? You're like, see, wise, real wise, aren't you, Sarah? (laughs) Kind of, some days. So, but here's my question to you. Did they walk at night? Because if they followed the star, how are they going to see it in the daytime? Right? I know. I thought the same thing. Hmm, That's clever. But I just bring it to your attention because sometimes the journey that you take can seem a little dark. And sometimes God leads you in that darkness by what seems to be a small star, a bright star, but nevertheless, it still seems dark around you. I also want you to appreciate that this journey from the east to Jerusalem to Bethlehem was not like kaboom. 
They didn't have Uber. They didn't have planes, no trains, automobiles, helicopters, none of that. This was walking. And if you're going to walk from modern-day Iran and walk all the way to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, this is going to be a couple weeks minimum on foot. So this isn't like kaboom, instantaneous, we arrived, and it's not like Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. It's not that kind of thing. This is a journey. And some of the journey maybe happened at night, but maybe they also took the journey in the daytime and made course corrections at night using the star. But they understood from their training and their upbringing and their education, their context, to watch the star and to keep walking. And I like this because as well, if you think about it, it's really smart guys. And as they land finally in Jerusalem, who's the first person they talk to in Jerusalem to tell them they're looking for the newborn king? His name starts with an H. Kind of two syllables, maybe Herod, Herod, Herod. And he's the political leader. Now, I want you to appreciate that these guys traveled, again, very educated. So you could put them in the university level, right? Doctoral, whatever, dissertation type people. They show up with one of the a very powerful leader in that region, and they tell Herod about the newborn king. Now, we know that was bad, right? I mean, Herod got jealous. But nevertheless, their awareness of the star and the newborn king, they let the uh, education communicate and proclaim to a political leader that somebody new is on the block. Now, he, Herod didn't handle it right, but I still appreciate that the wise men were um, conduits for the gospel, right? And the gospel comes not only for educated, dissertation, super smart people, the gospel can come to politicians as well. What they do with it is a different animal, but still, it's possible, right? So I just bring that because I think that's important. It's important because some of us are, are led by God. We're into the political world. It's not my gig. I'm like, no, thank you. I wouldn't fit in there at all. But for some people, that's their niche. For some people, their niche is that highly educated university level, right? But all that stuff, no matter what, God can, in that darkness, in that space where there's uncertainty and clarity, God can lead and guide us. And it can be incremental, a day at a time, one step, one week at a time, but still walking and getting closer and closer um, to the newborn king. Tracking with me? And nighttime isn't always bad. Let me give you a second nighttime, third nighttime actually. And this is kind of, in, in essence, the antithesis of all these educated people. And I do want to say hello to the online audience. Thank you for joining us today. We're glad you're here. And you're like, oop, you forgot. Kind of, but not totally. <laughs> Just a little bit. So we got the, the wise men over there. But now on this side, and I like this one, I think this is in Luke chapter 2 as well, these are the shepherds. I like the shepherds because they're basically blue-collar dudes. How many of you have ever been around sheep? Right? What are sheep like? Super stupid. <laughs> they qualify for world's dumbest animals. I mean, they are dumb as a brick. I had a friend of mine tell me this. She said, you know what? It's sheep are so stupid that if they trip and fall, you have to make sure that you're there to put them back on their feet. Because if you don't, they will, the gas in them will, blow, will bloat them and they'll explode. 
I know. I said the same thing. I was like, what? That's sick. I mean, like an exploding sheep? That's just disgusting. So the other thing about sheep is they smell awful, right? Anybody been around? I mean, like, and if you get, and they rub off on you, so then you smell bad by, you know, by proximity. So they're disgusting. Now, these are shepherds. <laughs> shepherds taking care of sheep. Now, these are probably also not very socialized individuals because <laughs> they're shepherds and all day long they're hanging out with the dumbest animals on the planet right <laughs> so you got to think their social skills are kind of circling the drain right flesh not good <laughs> so in some respects of the antithesis of the wise men now we have the shepherds and they're they do sheep all day long you know hum dee hum da dum 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 then at nighttime. I think they do the typical thing. They come together, bring all their sheep together, put them in a sheep pen so that the predators don't get them, mountain lions, all that. And they probably had a campfire, shish kebabs with fresh lamb, <laughs> right? Because it's convenient, it's accessible. It's maybe some baba ganoush, you know, some hummus. They're like totally enjoying a campfire, singing kumbaya, s'mores. You got the whole picture, right? And they're all hanging out. And this is their probably their only time to socialize. And if you've ever been around introverts socializing, <laughs> it's really fun. Just fun to watch be a fly on the wall. I get it, because I am one. Anyway, so they're all there hanging out, doing the normal night thing that they do. And lo and behold, kabam, Gabriel shows up, right? And you have to know, and it's not only Gabriel, but also the glory of the Lord shone round about them. This is at nighttime. They peed their pants. <laughs> because this is not what they're expecting, right? I mean, like, ah! and why do you know that freaked them out? Why do you know they were scared? Because Gabriel, the first thing he says to them is, fear not, because clearly they're afraid. Because this isn't normal. This is like, ah! you know, they're completely lost it. And then to add more to it, you got angels going up and down the ladder, glory to God in the high. I mean, like the whole angelic hosts are like partying. Yeah, Jesus! I mean, they're freaked out, which is completely cool. Now, I want you to appreciate that this context looks a whole lot different than the wise men context. Right? I mean, this is incremental. This is a little bit more indirect. You know, you kind of watch the star. It's a little bit more of a gentle soft approach, a little less <laughs> jubilant, a little less intrusive, a little less shocking. On this side, oh my gosh, these shepherds are like, <gasps> now when Gabriel shows up, glory to God in the highest, and then what does Gabriel tell them? Go into the town of Bethlehem and you'll find a baby wrapped in, laying in a and what's a manger? A feeding trough for potentially sheep. <gasps> Brilliant. Brilliant. The angel didn't show up to the wise men and say, go find a feeding trough. Right? And he didn't show up to the shepherds and say, watch the star at night. Uh, what? Context. The shepherds are going to know where the feeding troughs are in Bethlehem. 
Bob has one. Jerry has one. Oh, did you know that Mary added a new one? Yeah. Well, we'll just find all the feeding troughs, and then we'll find, like, bam, because they understood, right, at nighttime. So they go into Bethlehem, check off all the feeding. Oh, there he is, the newborn king, swaddling clothes. Wow, this is incredible. And it says that they told all of Bethlehem. And I love that about this whole, whole Christmas Jesus thing is whether you're the wise man, super well-educated, experienced, and you're in an incremental, progressive journey, or whether you're the shepherd in the field at night, and kabam, you have this amazing, shocking revelation through both, both groups. Jesus is proclaimed. But all of this happens at nighttime. And I bring that to your awareness because I think for many of us in the room, online as well, you probably have some darkness in your life, areas. And I asked you at the beginning, identify some areas that seem dark, murky, unclear, that are maybe obscure to you. How many of you identified a couple of those? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that Jesus would be the light in those murky, dark areas. So whatever that is, those areas, I just want you to symbolically put it in your palm, and I'm gonna, we're going to pray. If you're watching online, do the same thing. You're like, eh, just fine, just do it. You'll be fine. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask Jesus to come in and illuminate and help you on this journey. So I thank you, Jesus, that you're with us and present now. And we lift up to you these things in our life that are dark, that need light, that need clarity. For those of us in the room that need direction online, we need direction. We need you to guide us. We need you to walk alongside, bring provision, bring healing. Help us to follow you and to walk in the light with you. Help us to let you be our light when we're discouraged, when we're unclear, uncertain. Help us to let you be our light. We look to you for illumination, and for guidance. Thank you for helping us with this today. In Jesus' name, amen. I also, I'm going to do something a little bit different, a little bit off the plot, but I really feel Holy Spirit wants to do this with, with us today. So I want us to think for a moment about Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit as it relates to the birth of Jesus. Now, I remember thinking about this, and I was like, you know, I don't really think, Holy Spirit, you're all that involved with Jesus' birth. But it was very interesting to me, as I started to look at this, I started to discover, and if you have your Bibles, you want to flip over to Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to walk you through some stuff with Holy Spirit that I think is extremely important for us. And the importance of Holy Spirit, particularly in this season and moving and living with Holy Spirit more and more. So in Luke chapter 1, when you look in verse uh, 15, notice that this is the um, prediction for John the Baptist. And this is to Zacharias. Zacharias is his dad. His dad is serving in the temple. And the angel appears to him and says to his dad, Zacharias, your son who will be born 
And remember Zacharias and Elizabeth, they couldn't have kids, right? It was a very supernatural birth. She's elderly, past the time of childbearing, and he's elderly. This is pre-Viagra, just in case you wondered. <laughs> so you're like, you shouldn't have just said that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, verse 15. So he will be great. This is John the Baptist. You're like, you're not supposed to. I know, I get it. <laughs> he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. And it says, verse 15, he, he, John the Baptist, will be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. John the Baptist was a supernatural birth. And even more so, even when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, John the Baptist was filled in her tummy, filled with Holy Spirit. I never saw that before, but when I was pregnant with my kids, especially after the first one, somebody pointed out this verse to me, and I was like, Oh, my goodness. I want to pray that all of my kids, right, are filled from the, from the inception, right, with Holy Spirit. Because there's nothing that would be more powerful, more helpful, more constructive in their lives than being filled with Holy Spirit even from the womb. So if you know people who are pregnant or want to get pregnant, I mean, I would give them this verse because that's very, very encouraging. Now, keep going because it's not only John the Baptist being filled with Holy Spirit. Then I want you to check out Chapter 1, verse 42. When Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then go to verse 67. This is after John the Baptist is born. It says, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of this revolves around John the Baptist and his birth. John the Baptist is the one who went ahead and prepared the way for Jesus, right? He's like the, the, the bugle for Jesus. So all of his father, his mother, and his, his birth is all very supernatural, very Holy Spirit overshadowed. And let me just present to you as well that in Luke 1.35, this is Gabriel talking to Mary, and in verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? It says, Gabriel answered, the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Holy Spirit is an integral part of Jesus' birth as well as the proclamation of his birth. This is the season. We, we recognize in Jesus and, and, and that's exactly what Holy Spirit does always points to Jesus. But I want to tell you that we need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit to help us in our daily living. We need Holy Spirit not only for the gifts and the supernatural. We need Holy Spirit for the fruit. Some of us in the room need a little bit of patience, <laughs> kindness, long-suffering, gentle. We need Holy Spirit. But I'm going to walk you through something that I think is very, very important. And I'm going to ask you to flip in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I'm giving you, this is dense, so you want to take good notes on this. If I was you, I'd get your phone out, and this is really going to light you up. So here's the deal. Romans chapter 8 is the most densely packed chapter in the Bible with Holy Spirit. There's more than 20 times that Holy Spirit is mentioned in Romans chapter 8. So this is my Romans chapter 8. It starts up here. Do you see all that orange? 
That's all Holy Spirit mentions. I don't know about you, but I never saw that before, right? So then my eyebrows were clearly up to my hairline because I was like, wow, if you're talked about that much in this chapter, what is going on? Like, what all does that mean? What does that look like? Anybody have the same question? So I'm going to give you the verbs. The verbs that go with Holy Spirit. And these verbs, there's nine of them. And what I do pretty much every day is I pray these verbs because I want Holy Spirit action in me, with me, as I go throughout every single day. Anybody interested in that? Oh, yeah, me too. So let's start off. In Romans chapter 8, the first verb that, and this is again, all of this relates to Christmas because it's the birth of Jesus and it's how Jesus was, and Jesus, absolutely Holy Spirit speaks Jesus through us. So Romans chapter 8, verse 4, walking with the Spirit. So the first verb is walk. And when I pray this, I ask Holy Spirit, help me to walk with you today and help me to recognize and feel you walking with me. And I don't just pray it for a church service. I pray it like for regular. On Tuesday, I'm going to Cambodia. So I'm asking, help me, let me feel you, guide my steps, help me to walk alongside of you and to recognize you walking alongside me. All of these verbs are present tense, and that means in Greek that they're continuous. So it's not a one-time action that's over, it's ongoing. So walk is the first verb. The second verb is in verse 6. Mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit. I ask Holy Spirit, so this is um, to think. It's a Greek word, phroneo. But it means to, and it, it deals with your soul, it's your emotions, your will, your thoughts. So I ask Holy Spirit, help me in my thoughts. Help me in the way I see things, my perceptions. Help me as, as I go throughout the day to keep my mind, let my attention, let the default for my attention stay on you. Anybody have a home screen? That's what I ask Holy Spirit to do for me, is put Holy Spirit as my home screen so that I'm always, that's my default. The next verb we read about in verse 9, dwells. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. So I ask Holy Spirit, I welcome Holy Spirit, make yourself at home in me. I want you to be comfortable living in me. I want you to be, wholly be yourself. You're a spirit of truth. You do supernatural stuff. You teach me. You do all. I mean, I want, be comfortable living in me. I want you to be 100% have access, a backstage pass. Right? You get to live in me. Next verb. It says this in verse 11. If the spirit dwells, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will make you alive. That's the fourth verb, to make alive. So this comes back to, oh man, this would be good. So Holy Spirit breathes into us. Jesus said, John 2, 20, he breathed on the disciples and said, receive Holy Spirit. This is the idea of breath. And if you go back to Genesis 2, verse 7, it says God breathed into man and he became a living being. That breath, that's the breath of life. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, make alive. Make me alive. 
Make alive who you designed me to be. There are pieces of me that are dead, that have been hurt, that have been wounded, traumatized, all that. Make alive, resurrect, breathe life into me. I want your life in me. In the same way, this is the fifth verb. I'm telling you, this is dense, but it's going to be really helpful to you, especially if you take notes and do it. Verse 13, if by the Spirit you are putting to death. So there's the idea of make alive, but there's also the idea put to death. So that means there are things in me that need to be put to death. Deception, when I think something that's not accurate, that I'm off on the plot. Flesh, when flesh decides to overpower, put that to death. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives. Put to death the deeds of the body. So there are things that need Holy Spirit life. <sighs> Breathe into me. But there are things that need to absolutely <sighs> be dead and not alive anymore. Verse 14. This is number 6. Is that right? <laughs> you guys are looking at me deer in headlights. <laughs> it's so great. Verse 14 says, those who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So I ask Holy Spirit, lead me. Follow the leader, right? How many of you ever played follow the leader and Simon says? Remember, Simon says, and you do. I want Holy Spirit to lead me. And I want to follow Holy Spirit from identity. Right? I am. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, lead me because I'm your daughter. And I will follow you. I'm not going to follow you out of insecurity, uncertainty, out of fear, out of whatever. I'm going to follow you from identity because I know you love me. I know I'm your daughter. I know I'm, I, you chose me. You, you welcome me. You embrace me into family. And that's why I follow you. Because you're absolutely the safest person in the whole world to follow <laughs> is Holy Spirit. And I do it from identity first and foremost. So do that. Then verse 16. This is verb number seven. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. This is the Greek word sumaterio. It means to convince on the inside that I belong to God. Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am God's daughter, God's son. I think for many of us, this would resolve a whole lot of our parent issues. <laughs> Some people have mommy issues. Some people have daddy issues. And this is where it gets resolved. Because what happens is we have earthly parents who are flawed, despite their best abilities. They're still human, fallible. And you only have one perfect heavenly father. Maybe Holy Spirit could be a mother to you. But I think if we settle into this and let Holy Spirit convince the inside, on the in, and, and when I start to live and act and think and, and accept and breathe in that reality. I belong. I'm family. God is my father. I have a father, mother. They, they take care. They're looking after me. I belong. I'm not, I'm not detached. I'm not disconnected. I'm not isolated. I'm not a stepchild. The redheaded step. I belong by their choosing. Right? They chose me. So in verse 16, convinces our spirit, testifies with our spirit. Then flip over to verse 26. Ooh, I like this one. This one says, this is number eight, to help. To help. Holy Spirit helps us in all of our weaknesses. Hmm. Well, let's start to think about what are those weaknesses. Weaknesses. Personally, I have a weakness 
of being independent. You're like, no, that's a strength. Hmm. No, because I independence resists help. Right? And Jesus says, Holy Spirit is our helper. So if I don't need help, what am I saying? That's a weakness. I need help. I need, I am the poster child for help, right? I'm like, I need help, all the help I can get. I need help to change my clothes, get dressed, put on makeup. I, am, I tell you, I need all, and I am, help me in my weaknesses. That's a weakness that I have. I have another weakness. That I'm vulnerable to rejection. I'm sure none of you in the room online ever struggle with rejection. But I'm that. So I, those are weaknesses. And Holy Spirit helps me. And it's interesting because when I say I, I'm struggling with this, and I'm honest, and that's what I love about Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth. I'm honest. I'm just telling you this is something that's the difficulty for me, and I need you to help me. And as I let Holy Spirit help me, I make progress. I am much better, drastically better than I was four years, five years ago when I first started doing these verbs. Legit. The last verb is in verse 26 as well. It says, we don't know how to pray as we should, but Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. So that's the ninth verb, to intercede with groanings too deep for words. He searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Holy Spirit intercedes, steps in, in the middle and says, I'm going to pray, I'm going to intercede, I'm going to uh, petition on your behalf according to God's will, according to the Father's design and purpose and plans for you. I'm going to step in and I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help on the weaknesses. I'm going to be that Kevlar. I'm going to be the in-between. When the enemy comes in to accuse and to attack and to deceive, I'm going to be the Kevlar that protects and intercedes and steps in and, and absorbs that. You don't have to do that because you are my child. So family, these verbs, I would strongly encourage you. I didn't do this with first service. Lucky you. <laughs> but I would challenge you, these verbs have been incredibly helpful in my walk with Holy Spirit. I have grown to know Holy Spirit drastically more, and drastically more than just a church service. I have come to experience and walk and, and have Holy Spirit participating in my daily life. You know, when I'm shopping, I'm doing this or that, or, or my, all these things where I'm like, okay, help with this, help with this. I got to get a PCR test to go to Cambodia, and where am I going to do that? Because it has to be in the 72-hour window. I need you to help because I'm not really good on organization and structure and details. Please help. I'm going, you know, help. And so I find that Holy Spirit is absolutely helps me helps me with all the practical stuff, but also helps me on the interior stuff. Because sometimes that interior stuff woo, can cause us to be a little unraveled. True? So I would encourage you, um, do these verbs. Do these verbs. And you're like, we just got like, <laughs> you just got like a total, like a fire hydrant of, 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 of download with Holy Spirit. But I think this is so important and, and very critical for this season, Christmas time. Because I don't think we often think of Holy Spirit with Christmas. Like I always think Jesus with Christmas, right? Normally. But the backdrop of Jesus coming into the planet on the earth is Holy Spirit participating and involving and, and, and very much in the weeds. 
of Jesus' birth and the proclamation of his birth. So I think all the more we need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit to help us, and we need to give Holy Spirit access and, and let Holy Spirit work in our lives with these verbs. So I want to just ask you to take a moment and just pray. Among all these verbs, which one, and I'll, I'll list them again for you, walk, think, dwell, make alive, put to death, lead, bears witness, convinces, help, and intercede. Those are the nine. So which one, just one, you're like, I need them all. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but which one do you find yourself um, gravitating to the most among that list? How many of you can, you want me to read them again? Walk, think, dwell, make alive, put to death, lead, convince, help, intercede. I want you pick one verb. Which one appeals to you, like has the most attraction to you today, now? How many of you can identify the one? All right, so I want you to write it maybe in your notes in your phone, something, but I want to pray for you that Holy Spirit would make this verb real and vibrant to you. And it wouldn't just be for this message, but it would stick to your ribs, right? So when you go home this afternoon, you take a nap, whatever it is, tomorrow morning on your way to work, if you're going to school, some of you are going to chapel tomorrow at uh, Karis, I'll see you up there, whatever. But that this, sticks, this verb sticks to your ribs. How many of you are on board for that? Yes. So maybe put your hand on your ribs, because I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to make this verb stick to your ribs and be very, very relevant and remind you. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. And I know you're here. And I'm so, so very grateful for you. I can't thank you enough for who you are and what you do. Now I come to you, for everyone in the room, also online. Each of us have chosen a verb, an action that you do. And I pray that you would make this action verb stick to our ribs. Remind us. Help us to recall. Bring this to our remembrance as we go throughout this week that this verb, that your action, your activity, your participation in our lives is very integral and that it absolutely sticks to our ribs, that where we go, the verb goes with us and we are reminded of this. We welcome your action into our lives, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to walk with us, to help us in our thoughts, our attention, to live in us, to lead us, to bear witness with us, to make alive, to help us to put to death things that shouldn't be living in us. We invite you to help. Help us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you intercede, that you absolutely step in the middle and petition on our behalf for the fullness of God's design in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for doing this, Holy Spirit. We're very very grateful for you, and thank you for your work, activity, participation in our lives. Thank you for this, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen, amen. As we finish, I want to um, give out, one of the things I love about River Rock is that you guys are all about Holy Spirit and move and work of Holy Spirit. So I want to minister a couple of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and I'd welcome you to give me feedback, right? Ten would be a bullseye, five would be eh. Zero is you completely lost the plot and made no sense at all. And I don't mind you being honest. You can say that didn't make any sense. And the reason I'm doing that, asking you to do that, is because I'm growing and I'm learning. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I miss it. But one of the ways that I grow and I learn is by making mistakes. Oh, okay. I screwed that up, but I'm going to make new mistakes. (laughs) Not the same ones, right? (laughs) So I have a whole plethora of, like, new mistakes. But that's not all bad. It doesn't, like, it used to rattle me, but it doesn't now. All right, so the verse I have is for, one verse is for this lady in the back. And you have on a scarf and a black blouse. I think you're on... And the scarf is kind of red and black and white. And you're holding the scarf. Is that really me? It is really you. And I have this on a sheet of paper, so you're welcome to come up and get this at the end and give me your feedback. That would be awesome. So the verse I have for you is Psalms 2, verse 8. And it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. And I just, as I was praying ahead of time, I felt Holy Spirit say, that you are to ask God for the nations. Ask God for the nations. And there's been some some hints of this and some suggestions of this in terms of nations, but this is kind of God making it abundantly clear to you that there is um, this desire in your heart, but also God's going to make that turn into a reality and ask God. And I would say I would encourage you to pick half a dozen, three, half a dozen nations and ask God for those nations. And, and don't just do it based on kind of some of your... Some of it will be your natural bend, like, you're, like I just have a burden for this nation. And you've even said that. I have a burden for this nation. And God is encouraging you, ask me for the nations. So not only want a burden for a nation, but multiple nations. Get three to six and start praying over those nations and asking God for those nations. Pray for the leadership. Pray for their economy. Pray for the social things that are going on, the cultural stuff. Keep yourself up to date on the news for those nations because as you ask for those nations, you'll see God do some really amazing things, interventions and very supernatural things. You'll be like, yep, I know, because I was praying and asking God, ask for the nations and God will give them to you. And some of it, you'll go to some of these nations and some of it, it'll just be from a distance. But nevertheless, God is still encouraging you and, and compelling you to ask for the nations. So you can give me feedback if that's kind of witnesses or not. That would be great. The next verse I have is for this gentleman through here. You have on a like a forest green shirt, probably sitting next to your sister, smirking a little. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> the verse I have for you, and I have it up here too, so come and give me feedback. I'll be happy to talk or listen. I'll listen. Um, is Isaiah 64, verse 4. And it says, For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And God is saying to you, You know what, son? I got good things for you. I have amazing plans, designs, purposes, opportunities for you. 
And some of them, you kind of already have a little sense of it in your heart. And some of it, you're like, whoo, no clue. Didn't that came out of left field. But you are God's son. And he's very, very pleased with you. And he's telling you, you don't have to earn my pleasure. Just wait, spend time, keep company with me. And as you keep company, as you wait on me, and some of this is like the way that you would naturally um, wait or, or hang out with your buddies, your friends. You just take some of that. And some of it's around activities, but some of it is just maybe taking a walk, going on a hike with God, but waiting, waiting. And waiting seems like it's, it's kind of counterproductive, like you're not really doing anything. But God is saying, as you wait on me, you're going to see some amazing things come to happen. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard what God has prepared for those, except those who wait for God. And, you know, coupled with that, it's also in, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And it says this. Yeah, that's it. Things which the eye has not seen nor ear heard as hasn't entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But, verse 10, God has revealed it to them through the Spirit. For the Spirit, this Holy Spirit, searches all things, even the depths of God. And so this waiting is kind of a, a, a cultivation of that relationship with Holy Spirit. Because as you cultivate that, as you grow in that, as you nurture that fellowship and communion, connection with Holy Spirit, you're going to see some pretty astounding things. And you'll be the first to admit it. Oh, my goodness, I had nothing to do with that amazing outcome. But it was just, it was 100% God. But God's inviting you to deeper fellowship, deeper communion, and participation. And there's a lot to be said for keeping company, um, just kind of hanging out and spending time. Might seem like it's a, quote, waste of time, but not really. Any time with God is never wasted time. It's always cultivated time for intimacy, connection, communion. And when you do, you'll see God do some amazing things. But the amazing things will never be as wonderful to you as the time of fellowship and communion, the time together. That's the real gold of the whole thing, is that time and fellowship. And that's the platinum value. That's the core, highest priority. The outcome's fantastic, but even better than the outcomes are the fellowship, communion, and the growth and the depth that happens through that waiting and through that communion, through that connection. So cultivate the connection uh, and let God do the consequences. Sound good? Sweet. And you can get, I have these written down for you. So I'm just going to put in this um, shameless plug. <laughs> I forgot it in the first service, right? So did you guys like that kind of those verbs? Right? That was kind of, woo! So that's at the end of this book. And this book is called, Hey God, Can We Talk? It's conversations with God. So there's, a con there's how to have a conversation with God when you completely screwed up. Anybody completely screw up? Mm-hmm, definitely. You know who else screwed up in the Bible? Adam and Eve. They kind of lost the plot, right? And the rest of us are, woo, yeah. So how do you have a conversation with God when you've completely screwed up? Anybody ever have your life in complete meltdown? Everything is just like, that would be Job. Job had a conversation with God. What does that look like? So these are some cool conversations. How many of you think that your personality might disqualify you. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, obviously I'm not Sarah, I could never, but you think your personality is like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm way too busy, or I'm like, oh, they're better, they, they're more qualified. You know what, Martha and Mary, 
very unique personalities. And both of them had a fantastic relationship with Jesus. What did that look like? And so I encourage you to grab this. At the end of every chapter, there's something called the conversation starter, right? And one of the conversation starters is that list that I gave you of those Holy Spirit verbs. And I walk you through like how to do it a little bit more. So this would be a great resource for you and super connecting with Holy Spirit as well as growing in your walk with God, conversations with God. So on that happy note, I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet. Jeremy's going to come and we're going to have some delicious worship together. And it's great, fantastic to hang out with all of you all. Thank you so much. God's wanting to heal you today. Come and receive. There's a river that is flowing up here right now. If you are dealing with a sickness, you're believing God for a healing, right now is your day. Come and receive it. Let the presence of God touch you and minister to you right now. Right now. Come. Come on. Come and receive the healing power of God. Touch you and minister to you right now in the name of Jesus. So while Sarah was praying earlier, she had us hold out those things that felt um, that we that were dark, that needed light to be shown. Um, I just felt a heaviness in my hand and I felt like the Lord was saying, I don't want you to feel the weight of your problem. I want you to feel the weight of my blessing. I want you to feel the weight of my glory. I want you to feel the weight of my favor. I want you to feel the weight of my power. So as we continue to worship, feel that weight in this room because it's here, because his presence is here. And let that unlock your worship to take it to a whole nother level, to see not your problem, but his glory and his blessing. We all have a desire in our heart today to walk closer to the Lord. He is good. And in Psalm 37, he gave me this to share with my family here. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about the wicked schemes. So take delight in the Lord today because he knows the desires of your heart because he's placed them there. <laughs> 